the 90th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm terrific. So this week, we're talking with some folks at MediaTek about several of their new announcements. First up is Finbar Moynihan, GMVP of Corporate Marketing, to talk with us about the new Genio 1200. Finbar, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Don. Hey, thanks, uh, Roger. Good to be with you guys. Absolutely. So to start out, can you tell us a little bit about the Genio mobile chipset line? And specifically, can you tell us a bit about the 1200 that was just announced? Sure. So we just launched um, our Genio line um, last week, actually, or just just, just recently. Um, so Genio is our new brand for our what we call our AIoT platforms. And I think really what we're doing is recognizing that, you know, a lot of the core technologies that MediaTek has developed, you know, whether it's in advanced SOCs, you know, Android Linux software, or new multimedia capabilities are becoming more and more relevant for, you know, a very broad range of applications, you know, what we call the IoT or, you know, what we now call AIoT, because in a lot of cases, AI technology is also being used um, for those applications. So we launched the Genio platform. Part of it, of course, is the advanced chipsets and the connectivity solutions that we can offer. But really, you know, we see this as a very broad market, you know, touching into a lot of applications that have some, you know, fairly unique requirements, whether it's in terms of the, you know, open standard software SDKs, you know, the chipset longevity um, that is required, you know, the partner uh, and developer ecosystems that we have to develop beyond just the silicon capability. So kind of all of that is what we're talking about as the Genio platform. And then coupled with that, we launched, as you mentioned, the Genio 1200, which is, you know, a high-end chipset for this capability, you know, six nanometer capability, you know, nice high-end multimedia camera video AI capability built into the chipset, you know, extensible to 5G and, and Wi-Fi with external connectivity solutions from MediaTek and, and modules provided. And then we deliver that with, you know, a rich software SDK that can support Android, you know, different distributions of Linux, Yocto, Ubuntu, etc. So all that's kind of been wrapped up in what we call the Genio 1200 chip that we announced, or platform that we announced. So, Finbar, I think MediaTek is one of the best-kept secrets in in technology. You're powering most of the, the television sets in people's living rooms. You are, I think, in most, if not all, of the, the Amazon devices. So... In what kind of devices do you see the the, the Genio 1200 go in? Sure. Thanks, Roger. Um, yeah, I think MediaTek is often described as kind of the best-kept secret. You know, people don't realize that we power, you know, over 2 billion consumer electronics products every year from TVs that you mentioned, from smart home devices, of course, smartphones, mobile, tablets, Chromebooks, you know, all of that, plus a, a broad range of, you know, Wi-Fi solutions as well. And I think, you know, MediaTek, for the most part, for our history, we've sort of focused on what I would call the big vertical consumer markets that we just mentioned, right? This device, Genio approach is, is different, right? It's really not going after any one big vertical, but really going after a broad range of what we see as sort of, you know, different new emerging applications. So that's everything from where we probably have some traction today, 
in things like smart home, you know, for things like smart fitness devices, you know, Peloton, Tonal, all these kind of smart home exercise equipment into smart appliances, you know, so people are adding more and more displays, connectivity, you know, voice assistance, smart features to their home appliances going forward. You know, that's kind of the the obvious place. Also applications like point of sale terminals, you know, so we see again all over our daily lives, a lot more places where tablets, smart displays are being used as point of sale terminals that have all different kinds of connectivity and, and other application features built into them. And then longer term, you know, I think we see this moving more into kind of industrial and enterprise applications, you know, whether that's for, you know, robotics, where I think a lot of the multimedia camera, ISP, AI capability that we've developed is is very relevant. But also for things like, you know, HMI interfaces, industrial computers and gateways, you know, even factory automation things like automatic ID and data collection devices for for factory floors, et cetera. So a huge range of possibilities where the need for, you know, advanced ARM-based low-power computing, the different software operating systems that I mentioned, and all those multimedia and connectivity and AI capabilities are are required. So it's basically a combination of of helping your existing customers with a better solution, and then also expanding into into new areas where where you haven't been that present yet. Yes, I think that's fair. I mean, when we talk about industrial market, when we talk about some of the you know enterprise applications, that hasn't been our let's say traditional stomping ground, and those are you know new growth opportunities that we see where media tech products and technologies I think become more and more relevant for those customers. Yeah. And I think we also want to talk about a, an, another product. One of the things people don't don't realize is you're now the biggest chipset provider for mobile devices. Correct. Yeah. For a year now, mm-hmm. and, and again, it's like one of the, the the best kept secrets. And you are launching, I think, the Dimensity Ten Fifty, mm-hmm. which is something new and and very important for you. Can you tell us a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. To correct you, Roger, we actually became the number one mobile phone smartphone SOC vendor in the third quarter of 2020. So we're now running six or seven quarters of the number one position. And I think, you know, to make it more relevant, we've seen growth in our smartphone market share in all markets globally. And that includes markets like the North American US market, Western Europe, etc. Where in 2021, based on some analyst reports, you know, we had over 50% market share of the Android market globally, which is, a, I think, a significant milestone. But, you know, we also became the largest Android vendor in the US market, which I think is probably something that a lot of people don't realize. But I think it's fair to say a lot of that volume up to now has been more in the, you know, entry and mid-range devices, you know, a lot of the prepaid channels, operator-owned branded devices but also from brands like Samsung, Motorola, and TCL that are using, using our devices as well. But yes, we're, we're launching, uh, have launched the Dimensity 1050. Uh, this is our uh, new 5G chipset and the first in our portfolio to build in support for millimeter wave technology. So the millimeter wave uh, 5G bands, as you know, are very important for the U.S. carriers. 
So this is MediaTek's first solution that integrates millimeter wave capability, primarily, I would say, focused on the U.S. market and probably, you know, helps us to move up into higher price tier devices where millimeter wave technology is going to be probably more and more required by at least certain carriers in, in the U.S. But I, I think it's actually a smart way to, to come in with the 1050 because I see it as democratizing the access to the to the millimeter band and so because until now it has been only like flagship devices and not everybody can afford or does want to afford a flagship device but would like to have the performance that comes with millimeter wave and so i think it's a it's a great way to do this yeah exactly i mean we've always i think been deliberate with our 5g strategy i mean we've always felt that you know from a global basis sub-6 5G was going to dominate. And I think that's proven over the last couple of years of the first years of, of 5G. You know, millimeter wave is still very much a North American requirement. One carrier, Verizon, obviously has been driving it much more aggressively. But we also see millimeter wave as important long-term technology. Ultimately, spectrum is a, a valuable resource and there's obviously large amounts of spectrum in those bands. But of course, it does take time and effort to build out the network for that. So, yeah, so we're entering now. You can sort of see from the Dimensity uh, 1050, this product is not at the high end of our portfolio. It's probably more in the mid part of our portfolio or mid-high perhaps. Um, but I think that's where we see opportunity in the near term in the U.S. market with our customers, you know, to bring millimeter wave and, you know, frankly, to add another chipset supplier with the capability to support all of the 5G bands now uh, that are needed in the U.S., sub six and and millimeter wave great well thank you finbar but i think we have we have more news from you guys right yes so next up we have james chen avp of product marketing who's going to talk with us about mediatek's newest wi-fi 7 platform james can you give us an overview of the wi-fi 7 standard and then spend a little bit of time talking with us about the PhiLogic 880 and 380 chips Sure, Don, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, so Wi-Fi 7 represents really a uh, pretty massive upgrade for Wi-Fi. It introduces new features that improve not only just speed, but also reduce latency and allows Wi-Fi networks that are in a crowded environment to work better together. So we think it's really, you know, kind of a big step up for Wi-Fi. And then uh, we're introducing a PhiLogic family of solutions based on Wi-Fi 7. And first and foremost, that's PhiLogic 880 on the access point side and then PhiLogic 380 on the client side. So, James, when do you expect consumers to be able to, to get Wi-Fi 7? And, and how do you see this being rolled out and, and adopted? Because it feels like yesterday that we got Wi-Fi 6 and 6E. Well, it's true. Um, so let me address your second question first, and then I'll come back to your first one. I think your, both your questions are very pertinent. I think most people are probably sensing a heightened pace of Wi-Fi standards evolution, and that's not by accident. I think both IEEE and the Wi-Fi Alliance are trying to, I think, shall we say, you know, make new versions of Wi-Fi a little bit faster. For example, from 2019 to the end of 2023, we'll see no less than three 
new Wi-Fi standards in that you know four-year time span. That's Wi-Fi 6, 6E, and of course 7. But if you recall, the space gap between Wi-Fi 4 to Wi-Fi 5 and Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 6 is about five to six years. So it's just a sign of the times. The industry wants to uh, let's just say, you know, get Wi-Fi, the best of Wi-Fi out there as soon as possible. So, yes, we're in a bit of a transition. So that's why you're feeling kind of this uh, rush to a new standard. But it's all planned. But to answer your first question, we think that the adoption of Wi-Fi 7 will actually follow that of previous generation standards. So if you look at historically, let's just look at, you know, Wi-Fi 6, for example, there have always been client devices like laptops and smartphones and you know those kind of devices uh, whatnot that tend to adopt a new Wi-Fi sooner. In fact, they usually adopt Wi-Fi before the Wi-Fi certification is ready. And, and then when the Wi-Fi certification is ready, then other device makers and other segments such as enterprise and service providers, you know, they all kind of rush in and as well as you know, even more consumer devices, right? So you'll see that with Wi-Fi 7. So uh, Wi-Fi 7 uh, right now, everybody's anticipating by the end of next year is when you can get the logo. But we do know of device makers, especially on the consumer side, on the client side, like I said earlier, that will announce and launch products and put them on the store shelf way before that. For example, first half of 2023, which is just around the corner. Yeah, wow. And and this also uses then the new 6 gigahertz band, right? Which is like 1.2 gigahertz of, of spectrum, which is like unbelievable. Yeah, that's true. It is unbelievable. <laughs> um, but that, uh, of course, you know, that 1.2 gigahertz of unlicensed spectrum at the 6 gigahertz band is uh, pretty much, uh, you, know, um, you know, the United States is leading the way. Other countries like uh, you know the United Kingdom and Europe have to make do with about 480 megahertz. But yes, and Wi-Fi 7 will operate in the 6 gigahertz and will operate in 5 and will operate in 2.4. So all three bands get all the goodies that uh, Wi-Fi 7 is destined for. Well, for once, we will have the fastest Wi-Fi speeds then in the world, right? But I think, and, and maybe you can tell us more about it, the, the combination of the three bands really are differentiating Wi-Fi 7 and bring all the, the, the interesting and beneficial metrics to it. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Given the same number of antennas between a Wi-Fi 6 or 6E device and a Wi-Fi 7 device, if the number of antennas are the same between the old and the new, the speed increase is up to 2.4x. So that's certainly very, very significant. Nothing to sneeze at. It's not like 20%. This is 2.4x. But beyond that, Wi-Fi 7 does a lot of things, like, like this is what you're asking. One of the things it allows for is um, a new feature called MLO, and that stands for multi-link operation. And essentially what it does for Wi-Fi is it can aggregate two or more bands together. Now, there's only three bands on Wi-Fi, but it can aggregate two bands together or all three bands together to give it even more speed. So uh, this is uh, very analogous to the cellular world where, you know, for example, you, they call it carrier aggregation because in the cellular world, you have very thin slices of spectrum 
that operators pay a lot of money for, but because they're so thin and they're not contiguous, they use this technology that 3GPP has defined from a long time ago to aggregate them, hence the term carrier aggregation. And MLO is uh, Wi-Fi's uh, equivalent or answer to that. So we can aggregate 2.4 with 5, 2.4 with 6, 5 with 6, or all three together. And that really improves the speed even more than the 2.4x I just mentioned, because that 2.4x increase was just you know one band in comparison to another band. So that's the really exciting thing. And that opens up a lot of things, not just for speed increases, but MLO also provides uh, additional low latency benefits. That's what I'm really excited about, low latency, because I'm a multiplayer online gamer. And whenever somebody else I play against is on on regular Wi-Fi, they have no chance because of the latency. They're they're like a victim. Are you sure? I think you're just a good player, right? Uh, and I have a big monitor. No, I, I, I'm i old and, and my reflexes are slow, so I build on technological advantage. I'm not that good. But, yeah, no, so the latency goes down, right? Yes, absolutely. So MLO does, uh, you know, Wi-Fi 7 has a lot of things. I, I don't want to give people the perception that it's just MLO that decreases latency in Wi-Fi 7. But MLO certainly contributes to lower latency. For example, you know, one of the ways that it does this is that let's suppose you're on a Wi-Fi 6 system. You have a gateway or a router that's Wi-Fi 6. You're playing games on a laptop. And for one reason or another, your band gets you know, there's an interferer. Maybe it's your neighbor, because we are, after all, all operating unlicensed bands. So that Wi-Fi 6 or 60 gateway will then try to move you to another band, right? It does that. But then when it moves you, of course, it has to renegotiate between the gateway that's trying to move you and you, maybe on your laptop playing the game. And that introduces some switching overhead. And that will manifest itself into glitches, latency, all sorts of bad things we don't want, especially during gaming. But what MLO does is actually a priori sets up the channel so that between the Wi-Fi 7 gateway and router and your Wi-Fi 7 client, that kind of clears these three bands or two bands that you want to aggregate are a priori. So you can hop from one band to the other seamlessly. There will be no switching overhead, shall we say, for example, as you hop between 5 gigahertz and 6 gigahertz or back again. To you, it will just be transparent. You just have to focus on your game, which is what you, you, know, you want to do anyways, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I think this is really cool. And I think especially gamers will be the first people to adopt this for higher speeds and lower latency, you know, yeah. on, on Wi-Fi, right? Right. In fact, you know, we actually just, uh, you know, you know, make sure that you know, this is not all smoke and mirrors. And I think people definitely want to know more about this. Latency is a very important topic. Mediatek, we're actually going to be publishing a white paper on how Wi-Fi 7 can lower latency in a home network. And that white paper will be out, you know, probably about June or so. And so be on the lookout for that because we're going to be detailing this and give you, for example, the question is always, okay, how much latency, how much lower can I get? And we'll be showing you that under certain network loading conditions, you can get up to maybe 80 to 90% uh, latency reduction, which is phenomenal, right? Um, wow. Awesome. Yeah. 
So, James, thank you for coming on the show. Finbar, thank you for coming on the show. I think it's all the time we have have this week. So, really cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, gentlemen.